Section 8 of Self-Help. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Self-Help with Illustrations of Conduct and Perseverance by Samuel Smiles. Chapter 3. The Great Potters. Palisay. Burtger Wedgwood. Part 2. The Life of John Frederick Burtger the inventor of hard porcelain presents a remarkable contrast to that of palissy though it also contains many points of singular and almost romantic interest Bertger was born at Leitz in the voigtland in sixteen eighty five and at twelve years of age was placed apprentice with an apothecary at berlin he seems to have been early fascinated by chemistry and occupied most of his leisure in making experiments these for the most part tended in one direction the art of converting common on metals into gold at the end of several years Bertger pretended to have discovered the universal solvent of the alchemists and professed that he had made gold by its means he exhibited its powers before his master the apothecary zern and by some trick or other succeeded in making him and several other witnesses believe that he had actually converted copper into gold the news spread abroad that the apothecary's apprentice had discovered the grand secret and crowds collected about the shop to get a sight of the wonderful young gold cook the king himself expressed a wish to see and converse with him and when frederick i was presented with a piece of the gold pretended to have been converted from copper he was so dazzled with the prospect of securing an infinite quantity of it pressure being then in great straits for money that he determined to secure Bodger and employ him to make gold for him within the strong fortress of Spandau. But the young apothecary, suspecting the king's intention and probably fearing detection, at once resolved on flight, and he succeeded in getting across the frontier into Saxony. A reward of a thousand thalers was offered for Bodger's apprehension, but in vain. He arrived at Wittenberg and appealed for protection to the elector of Saxony frederick augustus i king of poland surnamed the strong frederick was himself very much in want of money at the time and he was overjoyed at the prospect of obtaining gold in any quantity by the aid of the young alchemist Baker was accordingly conveyed in secret to dresden accompanied by a royal escort he had scarcely left wittenberg when a battalion of prussian grenadiers arrived before the gates demanding the gold-maker's extradition but it was too late Bertger had already arrived in Dresden, where he was lodged in the Golden House, and treated with every consideration, though strictly watched and kept under guard. The elector, however, must needs leave him there for a time, having to depart forthwith to Poland, then almost in a state of anarchy. But, impatient for gold, he wrote Bertger from Warsaw, urging him to communicate the secret, so that he himself might practice the art of commutation the young gold cook thus pressed forwarded to frederick a small vial containing a reddish fluid which it was asserted changed all metals when in a molten state into gold this important vial was taken in charge by the prince first von furstenberg who accompanied by the regiment of guards hurried with it to warsaw arrived there it was determined to make immediate trial of the process the king and the prince locked themselves up in a secret chamber of the palace girt themselves about with leather aprons and like true gold cooks set to work melting copper in a crucible and afterwards applying to it the red fluid of Bertger. 
but the result was unsatisfactory for notwithstanding all that they could do the copper obstinately remained copper on referring to the alchemist's instructions however the king found that to succeed with the process it was necessary that the fluid should be used in great purity of heart and as his majesty was conscious of having spent the evening in very bad company he attributed the failure of the experiment to that cause a second trial was followed by no better results and then the king became furious for he had confessed and received absolution before beginning the second experiment frederick augustus now resolved on forcing bert Gur to disclose the golden secret as the only means of relief from his urgent pecuniary difficulties the alchemist hearing of the royal intention again determined to fly he succeeded in escaping his guard and after three days travel arrived at enns in austria where he thought himself safe the agents of the elector were however at his heels they had tracked him to the golden stag which they surrounded and seizing him in his bed notwithstanding his resistance and appeals to the austrian authorities for help they carried him by force to dresden from this time he was more strictly watched than ever and he was shortly after transferred to the strong fortress of Königstein. it was communicated to him that the royal exchequer was completely empty and that ten regiments of poles in arrears of pay were waiting for his gold the king himself visited him and told him in a severe tone that if he did not at once proceed to make gold he would be hung zu mir zurecht burtker sonst las ich dich hangen years passed and still burtker made no gold but he was not hung it was reserved for him to make a far more important discovery than the conversion of copper into gold namely the conversion of clay into porcelain some rare specimens of this ware had been brought by the portuguese from china which were sold for more than their weight in gold Berger was first induced to turn his attention to the subject by walter von Schernhaus, a maker of optical instruments also an alchemist Schernhaus was a man of education and distinction and was held in much esteem by prince furstenberg as well as by the elector he very sensibly said to Berger, still in fear of the gallows if you can't make gold try and do something else make porcelain the alchemist acted on the hint and began his experiments working night and day he prosecuted his investigations for a long time with great assiduity but without success at length some red clay brought to him for the purpose of making his crucibles set him on the right track he found that this clay when submitted to a high temperature became vitrified and retained its shape and that its texture resembled that of porcelain excepting in color and opacity he had in fact accidentally discovered red porcelain and he proceeded to manufacture it and sell it as porcelain Berger was however well aware that the white color was an essential property of true porcelain and he therefore prosecuted his experiments in the hope of discovering the secret several years thus passed but without success until again accident stood his friend and helped him to a knowledge of the art of making white porcelain one day in the year seventeen o seven he found his peruke unusually heavy and asked of his valet the reason the answer was that it was owing to the powder with which the wig was dressed which consisted of a kind of earth then much used for hair powder Berger's quick imagination immediately seized upon the idea this white earthy powder might possibly be the very earth of which he was in search 
at all events the opportunity must not be let slip of ascertaining what it really was he was rewarded for his painstaking care and watchfulness for he found on experiment that the principal ingredient of the hair powder consisted of kaolin the want of which had so long formed an insuperable difficulty in the way of his inquiries the discovery in Burtger's intelligent hands led to great results and proved of far greater importance than the discovery of the philosopher's stone would have been in october seventeen o seven he presented his first piece of porcelain to the elector who was greatly pleased with it and it was resolved that Burtger should be furnished with the means necessary for perfecting his invention having obtained a skilled workman from delft he began to turn porcelain with great success he now entirely abandoned alchemy for pottery and inscribed over the door of his workshop this distich es macht gott der grosse schopfer aus einem goldmacher einem topfer Burger, however was still under strict surveillance for fear lest he should communicate his secret to others or escape the elector's control the new workshops and furnaces which were erected for him were guarded by troops night and day and six superior officers were made responsible for the personal security of the potter Burger's further experiments with his new furnaces proving very successful and the porcelain which he manufactured being found to fetch large prices it was next determined to establish a royal manufactory of porcelain the manufacture of delftware was known to have greatly enriched holland why should not the manufacture of porcelain equally enrich the elector accordingly a decree went forth dated the twenty third of january seventeen ten for the establishment of a large manufactory of porcelain at the albrechtsburg in meissen in this decree which was translated into latin french and dutch and distributed by the ambassadors of the elector at all the european courts frederick augustus set forth that to promote the welfare of saxony which had suffered much through the swedish invasion he had directed his attention to the subterranean treasures und to rudition schatze of the country and having employed some able persons in the investigation they had succeeded in manufacturing a sort of red vessels eine art roder gefasse far superior to the indian terra sigillata as also colored ware and plates buntas geschirr und tafeln which may be cut ground and polished and are quite equal to indian vessels and finally that specimens of white porcelain proben von weissem porcelain had already been obtained and it was hoped that this quality too would soon be manufactured in considerable quantities the royal decree concluded by inviting foreign artists and handicraftsmen to come to saxony and engage as assistants in the new factory at high wages and under the patronage of the king this royal edict probably gives the best account of the actual state of burtger's invention at the time it has been stated in german publications that burtger for the great services rendered by him to the elector and to saxony was made manager of the royal porcelain works and further promoted to the dignity of baron doubtless he deserved these honours but his treatment was of an altogether different character for it was shabby cruel and inhuman two royal officials named matthew and nemitz were put over his head as directors of the factory while he himself only held the position of foreman of potters and at the same time was detained the king's prisoner during the erection of the factory at meissen while his assistance was still indispensable he was conducted by soldiers to and from dresden and even after the works were finished 
he was locked up nightly in his room all this preyed upon his mind and in repeated letters to the king he sought to obtain mitigation of his fate some of these letters are very touching i will devote my whole soul to the art of making porcelain he writes on one occasion i will do more than any inventor ever did before only give me liberty liberty to these appeals the king turned a deaf ear he was ready to spend money and grant favors but liberty he would not give he regarded Burger as his slave in this position the persecuted man kept on working for some time till at the end of a year or two he grew negligent disgusted with the world and with himself he took to drinking such is the force of example that it no sooner became known that Burger had betaken himself to this vice than the greater number of the workmen at the meissen factory became drunkards too quarrels and fightings without end were the consequence so the troops were frequently called upon to interfere and keep peace among the porcelanern as they were nicknamed after a while the whole of them more than three hundred were shut up in the albrechtsburg and treated as prisoners of state Berger at last fell seriously ill and in may seventeen thirteen his dissolution was hourly expected the king alarmed at losing so valuable a slave now gave him permission to take carriage exercise under a guard and having somewhat recovered he was allowed occasionally to go to dresden in a letter written by the king in april seventeen fourteen Berger was promised his full liberty but the offer came too late broken in body and mind alternately working and drinking though with occasional gleams of nobler intention and suffering under constant ill-health the result of his enforced confinement Berger lingered on for a few years more until death freed him from his sufferings on the thirteenth of march seventeen nineteen in the thirty-fifth year of his age he was buried at night as if he had been a dog in the johannes cemetery of meissen such was the treatment and such the unhappy end of one of saxony's greatest benefactors the porcelain manufacture immediately opened up an important source of public revenue and it became so productive to the elector of saxony that his example was shortly after followed by most european monarchs although soft porcelain had been made at st cloud fourteen years before Berkter's discovery the superiority of the hard porcelain soon became generally recognized its manufacture was begun at sevres in seventeen seventy and in a sense almost entirely superseded the softer material this is now one of the most thriving branches of french industry of which the high quality of the articles produced is certainly indisputable the career of josiah wedgwood the english potter was less checkered and more prosperous than that of either palissy or burtger and his lot was cast in happier times down to the middle of last century england was behind most other nations of the first order in europe in respect of skilled industry although there were many potters in staffordshire and wedgwood himself belonged to a numerous clan of potters of the same name their productions were of the rudest kind for the most part only plain brown ware with the patterns scratched in while the clay was wet the principal supply of the better articles of earthenware came from delft in holland and of drinking-stone pots from cologne two foreign potters the brother ellers from nuremberg settled for a time in staffordshire and introduced an improved manufacture but they shortly after removed to chelsea where they confined themselves to the manufacture of ornamental pieces no porcelain capable of resisting a scratch with a hard point 
had yet been made in england and for a long time the white ware made in staffordshire was not white but of a dirty cream colour such in a few words was the condition of the pottery manufacture when josiah wedgwood was born in burslev in seventeen thirty by the time that he died sixty-four years later it had become completely changed by his energy skill and genius he established the trade upon a new and solid foundation and in the words of his epitaph converted a rude and inconsiderable manufacture into an elegant art and an important branch of national commerce josiah wedgwood was one of those indefatigable men who from time to time spring from the ranks of the common people and by their energetic character not only practically educate the working population in habits of industry but by the examples of diligence and perseverance which they set before them largely influence the public activity in all directions and contribute in a great degree to form the national character he was like arkwright the youngest of a family of thirteen children his grandfather and granduncle were both potters as was also his father who died when he was a mere boy leaving him a patrimony of twenty pounds he had learned to read and write at the village school but on the death of his father he was taken from it and set to work as a thrower in the small pottery carried on by his elder brother there he began life his working life to use his own words at the lowest round of the ladder when only eleven years old he was shortly after seized by an attack of virulent smallpox from the effects of which he suffered during the rest of his life for it was followed by a disease in the right knee which recurred at frequent intervals and was only got rid of by the amputation of the limb many years later mr gladstone in his eloquent eloge on wedgwood recently delivered at burslem well observed that the disease from which he suffered was not improbably the occasion of his subsequent excellence it prevented him from growing up to be the active vigorous english workman possessed of all his limbs and knowing right well the use of them but it put him upon considering whether as it could not be that he might not be something else and something greater it sent his mind inwards it drove him to meditate upon the laws and secrets of his art the result was that he arrived at a perception and a grasp of them which might perhaps have been envied certainly have been owned by an athenian potter when he had completed his apprenticeship with his brother josiah joined partnership with another workman and carried on a small business in making knife hafts boxes and sundry articles for domestic use another partnership followed when he proceeded to make melon table plates green pickle leaves candlesticks snuff boxes and such like articles but he made comparatively little progress until he began business on his own account at burslem in the year seventeen fifty nine there he diligently pursued his calling introducing new articles to the trade and gradually extending his business what he chiefly aimed at was to manufacture cream-coloured ware of a better quality than was produced in staffordshire as regarded shape colour glaze and durability to understand the subject thoroughly he devoted his leisure to the study of chemistry and he made numerous experiments on fluxes glazes and various sorts of clay being a close inquirer and accurate observer he noticed that a certain earth containing silica which was black before calcination became white after exposure to the heat of a furnace this fact 
observed and pondered on led to the idea of mixing silica with the red powder of the potteries and to the discovery that the mixture becomes white when calcined he had but to cover this material with a vitrification of transparent glaze to obtain one of the most important products of fictile art that which under the name of english earthenware was to obtain the greatest commercial value and become of the most extensive utility wedgwood was for some time much troubled by his furnaces though nothing like to the same extent that palissy was and he overcame his difficulties in the same way by repeated experiments and unfaltering perseverance his first attempts at making porcelain for table use was a succession of disastrous failures the labors of months often being destroyed in a day it was only after a long series of trials in the course of which he lost time money and labor that he arrived at the proper sort of glaze to be used but he would not be denied and at last he conquered success through patience the improvement of pottery became his passion and was never lost sight of for a moment even when he had mastered his difficulties and become a prosperous man manufacturing white stoneware and cream-colored ware in large quantities for home and foreign use he went forward perfecting his manufactures until his example extending in all directions the action of the entire district was stimulated and a great branch of british industry was eventually established on firm foundations he aimed throughout at the highest excellence declaring his determination to give over manufacturing any article whatsoever it might be rather than to degrade it wedgwood was cordially helped by many persons of rank and influence for working in the truest spirit he readily commanded the help and encouragement of other true workers he made for queen charlotte the first royal table service of english manufacture of the kind afterwards called queen's ware and was appointed royal potter a title which he prized more than if he had been made a baron valuable sets of porcelain were entrusted to him for imitation in which he succeeded to admiration sir william hamilton led him specimens of ancient art from herculaneum of which he produced accurate and beautiful copies the duchess of portland outbid him for the barberini vase when that article was offered for sale he bid as high as seventeen hundred guineas for it her grace secured it for eighteen hundred but when she learned wedgwood's object she at once generously lent him the vase to copy he produced fifty copies at a cost of about twenty five hundred pounds and his expenses were not covered by their sale but he gained his object which was to show that whatever had been done that english skill and energy could and would accomplish wedgwood called to his aid the crucible of the chemist the knowledge of the antiquary and the skill of the artist he found out flaxman when a youth and while he liberally nurtured his genius drew from him a large number of beautiful designs for his pottery and porcelain converting them by his manufacture into objects of taste and excellence and thus making them instrumental in the diffusion of classical art amongst the people by careful experiment and study he was even enabled to rediscover the art of painting on porcelain or earthenware vases and similar articles an art practised by the ancient etruscans but which had been lost since the time of pliny he distinguished himself by his own contributions to science and his name is still identified with the pyrometer which he invented he was an indefatigable supporter of all measures of public utility and the construction of the trenton mersey canal which completed the navigable communication between the eastern and western sides of the island 
was mainly due to his public-spirited exertions allied to the engineering skill of brindley the road accommodation of the district being of an execrable character he planned and executed a turnpike road through the potteries ten miles in length the reputation he achieved was such that his works at burslem and subsequently those at etruria which he founded and built became a point of attraction to distinguish visitors from all parts of europe the result of wedgwood's labors was that the manufacture of pottery which he found in the very lowest condition became one of the staples of england and instead of importing what we needed for home use from abroad we became large exporters to other countries supplying them with earthenware even in the face of enormous prohibitory duties on articles of british produce wedgwood gave evidence as to his manufactures before parliament in seventeen eighty five only some thirty years after he had begun his operations from which it appeared that instead of providing only casual employment to a small number of inefficient and badly remunerated workmen about twenty thousand persons then derived their bread directly from the manufacture of earthenware without taking into account the increased numbers to which he gave employment in coal mines and in the carrying trade by land and sea and the stimulus which it gave to employment in many ways in various parts of the country yet important as had been the advances made in his time mr wedgwood was of opinion that the manufacture was but in its infancy and that the improvements which he had effected were of but small amount compared with those to which the art was capable of attaining through the continued industry and growing intelligence of the manufacturers and the natural facilities and political advantages enjoyed by great britain an opinion which has been fully borne out by the progress which has since been effected in this important branch of industry in eighteen fifty two not fewer than eighty four million pieces of pottery were exported from england to other countries besides what were made for home use but it is not merely the quantity and value of the produce that is entitled to consideration but the improvement of the condition of the population by whom this great branch of industry is conducted when wedgwood began his labors the staffordshire district was only in a half civilized state the people were poor uncultivated and few in number when wedgwood's manufacture was firmly established there was found ample employment at good wages for three times the number of population while their moral advancement had kept pace with their material improvement men such as these are fairly entitled to take rank as the industrial heroes of the civilized world their patient self-reliance amidst trials and difficulties their courage and perseverance in the pursuit of worthy objects are not less heroic of their kind than the bravery and devotion of the soldier and the sailor whose duty and pride it is heroically to defend what these valiant leaders of industry have so heroically achieved End of section eight.